been dubbed an essential link between the music of East and West, as you've just been listening to, creating musical short stories that wed the tradition of the blues with the depth of classical Indian. Now, here's a word I'm unfamiliar with, Harry, so you're going you're gonna to need to educate me in this whole deal here, because I'm going to go through... By the way, this is the longest bio we've had on any human being on our show. <laughs> I'm dying to meet myself. I'm telling you. What's... Is it Ragas? Ragas. Ragas. Yeah, uh, Ragga is that the is, bread that goes with the rice? Yeah, that, no. <laughs> That's a nice idea. Yeah, it's a piece of classical music in India. It's called a raga. It 
it's it's got its rules. It's it, it has its intentions and it has a particular sound. Is that sort of like you know in Scott's music you've got the you know the different pipe styles? Oh, of course I can't like a reel or a pibroch and all that yes. kind of stuff. Well, ragas are basically just classical pieces of music, you know, and there's so many. Each one has its own its own characteristics, its own name. There's thousands, and and people like uh, Ravi Shankar were a scholar on how many ragas were actually out there. Your average guy might know. Ten, uh, he knew a couple of thousand. Who was the guy we had in with the sitar? Why can't I never remember his name? Can you find? Can yeah. you find him on my show? It wasn't site? Joe yeah. or John, was it? No, it wasn't <laughs> Joe or John. If I could, I could remember it. Hello, my name's John Smith. I play the sitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were born in the Isle of Man. Someone told me. Yeah, that's right. Which, which I guess is where we get the name Manx. Exactly. I'm a Manx man. Yeah, that's true. Um, the Isle of Man is a brilliant place. Yeah, it's very nice. I, you know, I went back there for the, for the first time uh, last fall. I had left in 1959, so I was gone a while. And uh, <laughs> I, they, they rented the big hall. They put on a show at the big hall and uh, packed it out. And uh, after the first song, a fellow stood up and said, Welcome home, Harry. Nice. I thought that was lovely. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. What a great welcome. Yeah. Um, why are you why are you giving me oh it's on the backside, sorry, we're doing Yeah, Anwar Kershid. Tell me you know him. Come on, don't you all you guys hang out in a club and stuff? Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> There's an expression I learned in Australia. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> so speaking of Australia, that's the first time I saw you. That's the first time I found out about you. You're playing in a little pub near the airport. And I was gobsmacked. As they say, down under. To say the least. Yeah, I was living there. I was there for five years. Oh, yeah. And uh, you you came back again and again. Yeah, yeah. I do well in Australia. It's it's one of those places where, you know, the audience chooses the artist. Yeah. And uh, they chose me. So uh, I tour there regular. I'll be down there at uh, the end of the year, too, again. Um, You, do you know Tommy Emanuel? I've met Tommy, yeah. I did a, a show with him once. I had the, the, the misfortune of having to go on after him. Oh, you did not. Oh, and it, and, and it, went, it, it, it came about like uh, your little beginning to the show today. You know, nothing worked. <laughs> no way. Not only did I have to play after the world's greatest, but I, it, it didn't work for me. But you know what? I couldn't get my electronics going, so I went and sat on the front of the stage. It was a, a crowd of uh, buyers, 2,000 people. And uh, I just played. I said, can you hear me? They said, yeah. So I just did what I did and forgot about Tommy. And, uh, Fantastic. Moved on. Well but done. he's a wonderful guy. He's the only guy I know can play two, two different songs at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the definition of freak. <laughs> yes. No, it really is. No, I... I and he, he speaks highly of you. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we recognize each other. Play, people that can play, uh, we recognize each other. And, and uh, you know, you, you, you learn to respect each other because you know how much effort it takes to get somewhere. So you look at a guy like Tommy, you know he's put in 100,000 hours easy. And so you go, yeah, he's good. We were a roadie at 15. That's right. Which one was better to roadie? Uh, I don't know if that's the right phrase, but uh, crowbar or rush? Crowbar. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm sorry. So I'll, I should cover my shirt here? Uh, you're all right. <laughs> I only did one tour with Rush, but uh, they, were, they were wonderful guys and uh, great music, but um, loud. And uh, I was having trouble with the volume. I was on the side of the stage, and uh, I couldn't escape it. And it. It drove me a bit nuts. In fact, they kind of pushed me over the precipice. <laughs> I, I decided to become acoustic. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bought an acoustic guitar. So, but you know, Crowbar that was a great phenomenon. They were a great band, and and people loved them, and and they could get the energy up like nobody else. They could rock the house, and everybody would feel good. Picked up an axe at around fifteen. Yeah, well, I started uh, living with a band uh, called Tribe uh, out in uh, Markham, Ontario at that time when I first left home. And, and, yeah, they were teaching me to play. Jerry Doucette was the guitar player, and he taught me. To, he was my first teacher, and uh, he taught me how to play the basics. Best and worst thing of busking in Europe? Well, you know, you get arrested a few times, don't you? Uh, it's a pain. <laughs> know. You know, once the, once in Zurich, Switzerland, they retired, arrested me because I was, you know, always coming back at it. And they took me to a club and uh, instead of the police station one time. And they said, go in there and ask for a job. You play well. Go and ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. They dropped me there. So I went to the club. I waited till I left. I went back to the street. I love it. <laughs> That's really good. So you just kept coming back. Yeah, you know. I think Fred Penner sang a song about you. Did he? Yeah. There was an Australian busker who told me years ago, listen, mate, if you're going to wimp out, you'll never get anywhere. And he was talking about working on the street, you know, because it was a rainy day and I was thinking, I don't know. And he just laid it down straight to me and and, uh, I I got the point. That's the Aussie. uh, Yeah. It was a good spirit to give to me. uh, Before I moved back from Australia to Canada, I wanted to busk. Yeah. So I went down to uh, Queens Key. No, um, yeah, Queens Key. Yeah, that's right there. I had a lot of fun. Did you? Yeah. Did I was you? horrible, but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> well, that's the joy of the street. No one can censor yeah. you. <laughs> no, they just walk by. And if you're good, you do really good. You know, in Japan, a lot of us ended up busking there. We often had $1,000 days, a lot of us. Really? Oh, yeah. People think you're out there like semi-begging. No, you're making a serious living. We're making the income of a bank president. You know, like, It was amazing, really. It but you're not doing good. that every day. Well, we we wouldn't we didn't have to. I I only no. worked three or four days a week. I was make, I was pulling down a great wage. That's hilarious. Yeah, best no, club. No one would imagine. Best club in Toronto to be the sound guy at the Elmo Elmo Combo, Muddy Waters. Yeah, I mean you saw some killer. I saw it Muddy Waters at the Elmo yeah. Combo, and I was I was sixteen, maybe seventeen. I snuck. I mean I was a big dude, so yeah. it wasn't a problem. Yeah. And they ha- he had a white harp player with him. Yeah, he did. He had, um, what's his name? Skinny white guy. Yeah. I can't That's remember. That's probably his name. We, uh, yeah, my name's Skinny uh, White Guy. Ar- Archer or Kosher or something. I, I know who he is. I can't remember his name. Yeah, he was great. Uh, Willie Dixon, Hound Dog Taylor, Coco At- Taylor. SRV? No, unfortunately, I wasn't oh. on that night. <laughs> <laughs> or that month or that year. I don't know. I had my six months in there, and it was a joy. But, you know, there was always fights. Uh, like, you know, you'd, I'd get my nick, mixing table knocked over a few oh, times. Man. and You know, and uh, I had always interesting things. Joni Mitchell, I looked beside me one night. Joni Mitchell was sitting there. Oh, that's nice. Well, she's been in the news never, a little bit th- these days. Yeah, Not she's doing had well. her issues. I, I wish her the best. Not doing well. Have you ever heard of the, uh, the Sidemen? Yeah, Paul, Hamilton boys. Paul Reddick's band. Paul Red- is he still going? Paul Reddick's doing well. Yeah, he's he's around playing, and um, yeah, he's he's a, a regular fixture in the Toronto blues, uh, yeah. the Canadian okay. blues scene. He, uh, in fact, the thing about Paul recently, he started his own prize, the Cobalt Prize, to inspire guys to write blues songs, and he gives it out each year. And this year, the Aboriginal act Digging Roots won the award. I don't know where he came up with the idea, but it's it's fantastic. I, wa- I was walking on Queen Street. I have no idea what club it was. Heard some tunes coming out of a top floor thing. 
and just went, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I didn't care what it cost to get in. Yeah. And these guys were just on fire. Yeah. Sidemen. Totally. Yeah. Not as on fire as you, though. What are you going to do? What song are we going to do now, Harry? Because you, you happen to have some instruments with you. I do. And uh, first I'm going to do you a little Eastern, Easter tune. Easter tune. Called Only Then Will Your House Be Blessed. Live in the Drew Marshall Show. For the first time and hopefully never the last, Mr. Harry Manks. A little more guitar in my cancers. on the Drew Marshall Show. Are you kidding me? Good night. So when, like, does it ever get tired? I was, I, I've asked a few big wheels this question, and uh, the answers are always kind of politically correct, but I don't think you can spin that. Does it ever get tired of people worshiping you? Uh, you, you know, just want to smack you know people what, and say, no, oh, you, no, no, not at all, you know. Uh, you never want to deprive people of the, you know, the experience of express expressing that, you know. So when I, when people, and it's sometimes, you know, you've heard that expression, it's harder to receive than to give. Yes, yeah. Uh, it, so people give that to me, and I might not be in the right, I might not be feeling good about what I did or whatever, but I always take it, and I, I think, wow, that's nice. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're putting out. It's gracious, man. Yeah, I see them more than myself in those situations. So, um, and 
you don't want to get too attached to it as an artist because once you start believing it, you're also going to have to take the downside too, which is where you people say, "Yeah, <laughs> about that's rubbish." You know? So uh, yeah. uh, I try to let it all roll, or it just rolls by itself. But uh, I, I'm so happy when when people tell me these things or how much the music moves them. I I tell them that I don't get tired of hearing that, and I appreciate that they express it. Well, apparently, Harry Manx honed his hypnotic live show on street corners in cafes, bars, and at festivals, but it was Indian music that captured his, 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 his attention. And in the mid-'80s, he began a five-year tutelage with a guy whose name I'm not going to be able to pronounce. But we're going to talk a lot about him because, I mean, Harry spent... Let me see if I've got my facts right here. Um... 12 years, I think, in India. 12 years. That's right. Did I, am, I, am I doing okay with my research? Am yeah, I you're okay? doing okay. good. Huh? All right. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, 12 years in India. Yes. So why? Like, why did you go there initially? Was it for the music or was it some e love thing or was it... <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, looking for Julia Roberts. Yeah, I, dude, if I she was, was there, I'd go to India, and, too. Yeah. <laughs> she, you know, no, seriously, you know, uh, like a lot of people of the 70s, we got the the India thing. You know, we felt the vibe. Yeah. And it's, it came with the Beatles and, and everything psychedelic uh, brought that out. And me, too, I was entranced by India. But uh, so, um, you know, I'm reading an autobiography of a yogi, uh, Yogananda's book, who was a, a yogi that came and lived in California, and he talked about meditation, enlightenment, and uh, like a lot of people, I got so moved by that. You know, I thought, oh, I got to go check out what's so going on. So, who flipped there. the switch on that? Was that? Would you say George Harrison brought a lot, a lot of that? Uh, you'd that be surprised. Thing over here? You'd be surprised. It goes back further. Uh, David Crosby told George Harrison about. Rex Come on, Shatter. ah. Yeah, you know what? Ravi came over the first time in the 50s with Ali Akbar Khan, but he wasn't even the first Indian musician that came to America. Uh, Hazrat Inayat Khan came in the 20s. He was a Sufi mystic and a great Indian musician. But Ravi comes in the 50s, and and uh, he's back in the 60s to record an album in Hollywood, and his producer is David Crosby's producer. <laughs> So the Beatles show up in Can- in uh, America for the first time, and they have a they go to visit the Birds in in California because the Birds are as big as the Beatles at that point yeah, in the sixties. Yeah. So uh, they're hanging out. And I think the story is that David and uh, uh, George are sitting in the empty bath- bathtub. They're all drinking champagne. The people are all over the house. This huge uh, decadent hippie party, and uh, there David says, "You got to hear this dude from India. He's Ravi Shankar. He plays this instrument called the sitar." And within six months, there it is on a Beatles record. Crazy. Just like that. Crazy. What's that thing that's in your hand now? Well, what I've got here is a combination of the guitar and a sitar, and it's called a vena. It has 20 strings. And Tim, you ever seen that? Uh, in videos. Okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> now, Tim's, Tim's a, an aficionado of obscure mu- uh, musical instruments. I've, I've never seen this other than the Harry Manx videos. This is I've yeah. been looking forward to this all week. Yeah. Well, it's, um, you know, the, my teacher had a, a six-string guitar when he was about a teenager, I think, in, in Rajasthan, and he said the sound of the guitar was a little lonely. He was playing the slide <laughs> on it, so he put another 14 strings on there. Yes. Cured the loneliness problem right away. <laughs> you know, loneliness is not something easily come by in India. 
<laughs> no. be hard pressed to find a little loneliness. <laughs> I tell you that. So maybe that's why it hasn't had much value either. <laughs> yep, yep. So um, just before he he gets into this song, folks, what you need to know is the website Harry Manx M A N X. That's how you spell it. HarryManks dot com, and uh, the guy. Uh, has a lot of respect from a lot of people in the industry. He's a name that, uh, well, it's an easy name to remember, first of all. Um, but he's uh, he's honed his craft in such a way that others know him. How's that? Does that work? Did I explain oh, that okay? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good to me. I, as I said before, I'm dying to meet myself. Yes, this you are. Great <laughs> intro. <laughs> you are. What song are we going to do, uh, do now? Something cheerful called Death Have Mercy. Dude, listen, I grew up in a funeral home. All right, you're right. You like this one. I'm all over it. Death be easy, no. 
live on the true marshall show well done man that is uh, fantastic stuff what i uh, find it hard to understand is when you play clubs what you do is a listening thing and so when people are yapping and drinking and having a you know a good old time and they're not you know they're not right in on you yeah i don't do a, that anymore you don't okay no, good I, I do concerts and um when i play live i actually uh I'm a I'm a drummer too. I play drums with my feet, so it's a pretty big sound. So you're like the Stompin' Tom of India. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great honor. You know, anything close to being like Stompin' Tom is a great honor. He's a guy. There's a lot of great Canadian acts that I I worshipped and loved in my life. Stompin' Tom and Gordy Lightfoot are right up there in the top of the list. <laughs> I I really wish I had the opportunity to have met uh, Three Chord Gord. I would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, I did an I did a um, a project on him when I was in grade eight, my first year of grade eight. No, my yeah. second year of grade eight. It was, dude. I'm telling you, you should man, invite him on the show. I have his people don't uh, they don't want him to come on because they don't they don't want him to talk about uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yes. Um, yeah, that's... What was the motivational course that you took? so long ago that you know kind of helped you refocus oh, and decide that you're going to really get better on the axe and yeah, start laying that's down right. that's five hours a day practice you know i got really interested in neuro-linguistic programming nlp and it has a wonderful applications you know across the board but one of the applications that really turned me on was like motivation and motivation strategies like anthony Rob robbins exactly yeah. anthony robbins you know he's 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 not the founder of that, but he's no. someone that took uh, what uh, Grindler and Bandler created and uh, and made something fantastic out of it. He's, he, he managed to bring it into the mainstream. But to, uh, on a personal level, you know, you can sort of analyze how you learn and, and what you need to learn and how you get from here to there. And um, you, you learn strategies for that. And it's just kind of like new ways to approach things. So I started uh, through that visualizing what I wanted to do. And uh, I found the strength to practice after that, yeah, for like f five hours a day for five years. I just was so focused. I thought, well, this isn't work. This is what I want to do. And that became a different thing. It became a joyful journey. What's the longest you've gone without doing it, without performing? Well, uh, you know, when I'm at home, I just, I do uh, everything but to play the guitar, to be honest. I, you know, I'm raking leaves and <laughs> chopping wood. This is a way to kind of find a balance in life, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I really don't live and breathe to play the guitar. It's what I do in in the world. But, um, you know, someone asked me the other day, if you had the resources to not do this anymore, would you continue to do it? I said, probably not. I'm not really attached. I, I've, what? Uh, I brought my art out. People have enjoyed it. They loved it. But it's 
it's not part of uh, what I need to do to live. I'm, I'm fine at home working in the garden, to be honest. That is astounding to me. <laughs> and I'm wondering if it's so astounding because you – there's a spiritual component with what you do. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, somebody asked and, me and about so, – So for you to yeah. say – sorry. Just for you to say, eh, yeah, I could, I could shelve it. That just blows my mind. Yeah, well, that uh, that spiritual component is not uh, necessarily uh, connected to the music, you know. Uh, you know that the expression the Sufis have an expression that you can always hear the musician in the music. So uh, what you hear, you know, is me coming through the music. But uh, I'm still me without the music. So when I go home, it's all good. Yeah, no, I get that you're you without the music, but I just uh, I'm sorry, I'm spinning on that one. Yeah, no, I, you know I'm happy that people are inspired. Uh, I think that uh, they keep me going, the audience, because they enjoy it. They send me their stories and their and their comments, and uh, and I keep doing it for that, um, and also to keep my wife in nice shoes. <laughs> but other than that, man, I'm <laughs> I've done my thing. That's funny. I've been on the road already forty five years. That's wow. funny. <laughs> I think I think you and I would just feel cheated. Like we'd be ticked off that he wouldn't be playing. No, <laughs> well, there, there's that. Yeah. yeah, but there's also listen. If you do decide to pack it in, uh, can I'll I, take can that I have that? Yeah. No, no, I asked first. <laughs> oh. um, Harry Manx is live in studio with us, and um, it's an Easter special. And I'm thrilled to have you here because, as far as I'm concerned, for 30 years, Harry, my Easter was all confined and in and, and um, boxed up in certain thinkings mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm not there anymore so to have someone like you in the studio for me to kind of pick your brain a little bit yes spiritually mm. what's your journey been like like if you grew up in a few different places so you've been exposed to a few different things did you ever hunker down in one particular faith because uh, that seems not cool these days <laughs> yeah i don't know you know um I think that uh, there was a time when I was like a, a teenager when um, I struggled. Uh, but you know what? I, I looked for to psychology for sort of some answers. And that was great because I got into primal therapy and gestalt therapy. And I started to understand the mechanics of my internal world, which is, a, you know, kind of the the purpose of a lot of paths, uh, spiritual, whatever, uh, so I, I understood something about myself, and from there I started to see another picture, and that was kind of a little detachment from my thinking, and that's where I got into meditation. Hmm. And that me- idea about meditation and that separation from my constant inner chattering, being able to watch it, to witness a little bit, that started to become more and more interesting, and that's at the heart of, of uh, uh, a lot of uh, practices in India, you know, witnessing yourself. And um, th- there that path has sort of been my path for a while and to that end i still i still meditate and um do you think there's something other other outside of us out there something other other than ourselves other than material yeah well you know i'm i'm pretty comfortable with things being unknown and i think there's a lot of area that's unknown and unknowable and i've never been one to start taking on a lot of beliefs um i have trouble with beliefs not so much what to believe, but the beliefs itself. Mm-hmm. It sort of sounds to me like you're not sure, so you kind of hope enough, and maybe it will be. And but also, beliefs can be very powerful as a way to motivate. You know, they can be a goal. You can say, "I believe this," so you move towards that. They have a positive effect. But I don't have any. Um, have you ever had a dark encounter? 
with something, just the darkest thing that, you know, some moment, some interaction with somebody, some some time in your life where it was dark. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky. I've managed to avoid a lot of that. Um, I don't, uh, I never put myself in those situations or, or attracted really, you know. Um, uh, I find that the, my, I had a guru in India for many years. I, I lived in the ashram like seven years in, in Pune. And my guru was great. He talked about many things, you know. Um, I'm sorry, your guru, your guru was Greg? Great. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, they, they don't have these kind of names over there, you know. Great he, deep. He spoke about many things. But um, his other thing was, you know, uh, know thyself. His message was pretty essential, you know, like know thyself. Mm. And therefore, um, you're better off kind of looking within you know for your answers and that's been my my journey and and you see the the lyrics and the songs i write kind of reflect um that personal struggle Mm. people have uh you know in their lives um i don't write much in the way of uh uh, social content you know or uh, political or anything like that or or um even intellectual I, I, I want to reach people's heart. So my, my lyrics go towards that area, you know. And uh, to that end, I see a lot of women at the show. They respond to that uh, energy much How does your more. wife feel about that? She's good with it all. <laughs> she keeps herself in nice shoes, you know. <laughs> she's, she's nothing more to say about it. Like, as long uh, as she's got money <laughs> in her Versace bag, then you know, my, I, my wife's very compassionate. She puts up with me, you know. I'm... I'm a very unorthodox fellow, and I I travel around in a in a van by myself and play shows and and love the lifestyle, you know. And uh, she she's good with it. Uh, when I'm not traveling, I do go home and see the family. I heard they're wonderful people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do you have children? I got one boy. Do you? Yeah, he's thirteen, coming up on thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. No, he's good. He's a, a beautiful guy, and. Uh, you know, he's he's had the upbringing on a small island in B.C. Where, with alternative education. He goes to the forest. He's never been to a school. He's he's a lovely guy. He loves everything about the forest. He can tell you stuff like directions and weather patterns and things you couldn't imagine. Are you out near Randy Backman? Well, Randy used to live on the island. He lived on the north end, and I did live close to him, but now I'm on the south. Um, I made three CDs at Randy's studio when he was still there, and I uh, got to know him, and... He's a wonderful guy, a great musician. His uh, son Tal and I are our uh, buddies, Tal Backman. Yes. She's so high. That was his big song. That's right. And uh, he says, you know his uh, his radio show Vinyl Tap on CBC? Yes. And all those crazy stories he has. Yes. Tal says, he's so full of crap. <laughs> My dad's, just, these stories are just stories. Like, and he has to pull them up all It's like, Dad, you were never with the Beatles of that month and that year. Just, you know, whatever. Well, you know, my philosophy is you never want to let the truth get in the way of a good story. Thank you. Know? You've just quoted me. Once a show that comes out of my yap. Well done. I love it. All right, Harry, what song are we doing now, young fella? You know, um, my dear old mother came to see me play, and she said, you, you sing a lot of songs about uh, death. She's likened me to the Dr. Kevorkian of folk music. I said, don't you worry, Mom, I'm going to write a song about the living, and I wrote this one especially for her. I call it Make Way for the Living. Again, live on the Drew Marshall Show, Mr. Harry Manks.
goes in and out of love somewhere Between sleep and waking Sanskrit songs, last night's dream, and the toll of life's been taken. There's talk of mysteries and places roamed by poets. Yeah, heaven and earth are meeting, and fallen tears best show it. Make way for the living. Oh, whoa, make way for the living. Yeah, bright against the black sky in the shadow of the moon. I make way for the living. Outside your window for no one's sake, and yet a morning arrives so gorgeous, like a great dog yawn. Yes, somewhere on the back street, and I chose to become the dawn. Make way for the living. Whoa, whoa, make way for the living. Yeah, bright against the black sky in the shadow of the moon.
make way for the living. Harry Manx, live in the Drew Marshall Show. So well done, man. You know, watching you play, doing your thing, lap, uh, lap, lap style. Lap style. Lap yeah. style. I just made you sound like a dancer. Lap dance style. Yeah. <laughs> um, it made me think of uh, Jeff Healy, of course. Yes. And uh, his wife, uh, Christy, uh, former wife. And uh, Christy's been on the show a few times, and we've yeah. shared some stories. And have you ever got a chance to... Hang out with Christy or Jeff much? I, uh, I, I sort of, you know, I arrived in Canada just late in, in uh, Jeff's life, so I, I met him once or twice at, uh, at some convention. I, uh, I did get down to his club. I enjoyed his club he had there, and I saw him play a couple of times, you know, and um, wonderful guy, like, you know, really one of a kind guitar player. Like, you know, not just that he's from here, but from anywhere on the planet, he's one of a kind to play like that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Because he used his thumb and everything to, to bend, and he could get those bends that go even farther yeah. than the normal person. And nobody plays the guitar flat with their left hand playing chords. Like, nobody does that, even now. Like, uh, it's amazing. He did it. And he just did, it wasn't like a, a, a freak show. He actually, if you close your eyes, he was a wicked, wicked player. Oh, yeah. yeah, really good. Sad, actually, when I think about the fact oh, that yeah. he's, he's not he's not Struggled with his health issues, yeah. you know, that's... Um, you know, sometimes these kind of things they add great depth to an art, to yeah. an artist's life, and hence to an art, the art itself. You know, and uh, you can, if you bring all that to bear on your art, uh, it's it, it adds so much more richness to the art. You know, you can't avoid that stuff. Um, just a question from a technical point of view. Um, like in, you know, technical yeah, well, stuff. I, I'm going to sound technical for a second here. <laughs> um, Indian music has quarter tones. Is that correct? Or is that a myth? Well, uh, it's true. Um, but here's how it works. You know, like um, we don't land on those quarter tones. But I was just going to say that's why the slide works so yes, well with Indian exactly. music. It's like the voice. Yes. You See? take those notes as you pass. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You take those notes, right? I thought that was just people could sing. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you hear country music singers, they slide up to a note. They get to it eventually. Yeah. You know. Or Beyonce picks about That's 30 That's because they're just lazy. They're just we're taking their time. <laughs> they're good old time to get to that note. You, actually, you're, the first song you did, I had a little Ralph Stanley thing come into my head. That was totally Ralph Stanley, uh, Death O' oh Death. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put music to it, but it's an a cappella song, actually. Yeah. yeah. To have him, I'd like to get him. We've reached out to him. We'd love to get him on the show. uh you know, that song became popular in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm. And man, does he oh, grind that haunting, out. Haunting, haunting. Yeah. Yeah, there's that um, that stuff that, that comes from the the hills that probably had its origin in Ireland and uh, England, yeah. these old, old folk songs, you know, and they just have a haunting quality. Just before we, uh, by the way, how many songs, have you done three or four? We've done I've three. lost track. We've done All right. three. Do you want to do another one or do you want to just yes, shut I, her down? There's, in no, okay. there's a lovely tune. Okay. I want that thing again. Oh, Tim's just getting greedy here. It's so, so cool. Folks, so it's time to do a little uh, promotional work with for Harry Manx. Uh, the website, again, is harrymanx, M-A-N-X dot com. If you don't know how to ha- uh, spell Harry, you don't deserve to listen to his music. Yeah. Um, and the, the quote that I love, I mean, when the boss throws down a little endorsement, right? Come on. Watching Harry play tonight, I feel like I learned something new. And uh, what was the song that you did of his that uh, that he, he he was digging? Well, I did I'm on Fire. Um, I got invited to uh, New York City tribute to him. 
and uh, I, I played I'm on Fire on my cigar box guitar, which is like four strings on a cigar box. And he was sitting in the front row, but I never expected he was going to be there. Yeah. And yeah, he came back. He was very gracious. And not only did he tell me that nice thing, but he said, let's go have some drinks. And we went upstairs and I was hanging out with him. And That's I was cool. bruised out of my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I can only imagine. Um, the the final actual question, I shouldn't be asking you this while you're kind of tuning, but I'm going to do it anyway just to see if you can multitask. The Indian music draws you in. Right. Um, Western music, pop music, whatever, you know, makes makes whatever's inside of you jump out. Yes, it has the it has the it can have that effect. You know, makes you want to get up and celebrate and dance and move. Um, I think we can direct our music for a particular uh, results. You know, and uh, Indians have really discovered that over thousands of years uh, with classical music. They they know which ragas are going to be. Um, uh, create a, a inspirational effect. Yeah. Other ones which create a, a somber or a moody effect. You know, they've realized the arrangement of tones can can do this. Yeah, and we uh, we do that in the West. You know, I when I was learning, I played in the ashram. I was connected to there a lot for meditators. And one of the things you learn about playing music for meditators is you don't entertain them. You have to deepen the silence. And that's really something to get a grip on in the beginning. See, so did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. This is what I wish uh, Jesus singers would learn. Deep in the silence. Shut up. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, but deepening the silence. Because in the silence is, I think, where we find the thin places, as the Celts used to call it. You know, the, like the chasm between the other... And the us yeah. gets really thin. Oh, well, nice, yeah. You know, my teacher taught me early on that, uh, okay, there's, you know, um, first there's silence, then there's music, and then there's words. He said, that's the hierarchy. So if you you talk too much, <laughs> you'll never get to that silent place. So, Dang, who's got a talk show? Fantastic. Amen. Amen. All right. What, is, what song are we doing here, man? i got to get out of this one. <laughs> yes. Well, let's do a little crazy love because it's Easter and everybody should be in love. If it's, if it's with chocolates or a girl or with whoever. Rabbits. You, you they be, love each you other. should be in love. <laughs> Again, live in the Drew Marshall Show, Harry Manx. Mm-hmm. 
every time time she smiled when I'm with her whoa that's where I belong now I'm running to her like a river rolling strong whoa she gave me love and love oh love yeah yeah now. crazy love she gave me love and love oh love yeah yeah now. crazy love Absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you being here. Ladies and gentlemen, Harry Manx has been our very, very special guest this Easter uh, show. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us. Fish are jumping, cotton is high. 
I want to tell you about the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. You ready for this? For 1250, that's right, only $12.50, we'll mention your organization's name, website, and a brief description. Did you catch that? During each show, we'll read out your organization's name, website, and a brief description for only $12.50. Now, obviously, there's no point in doing that only once during a four-hour show, so we'll read your advertisement four times per show for an entire month, and each time we do it, it'll only cost you $12.50. It's kind of like putting an advertisement up on every church bulletin in the GTA, except you don't have to get permission from that grumpy old lady at the front desk. Now look, because there are limited spots available for our 1250 special, why don't you call us right now, toll-free, on 877-JOY-1250. Now sure, we're right in the middle of things here in the show, but if you call us right now, toll-free, on 877-JOY-1250, we'll take your name and number and call you back on Monday to sign up for the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. This is nuts. Are you sure we want to do this? How am I supposed to make any money?